yo, hey, 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 we are back for another episode of Dialogue Heavy with George Truly, Michael Anthony McMillan. What's up, guys? Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you are. Thank you for listening to your boy again. We out here. We are still reading God Bless the Girls. And um, you already know what it's about. Young lady locked in a basement trying to figure out her way out along with some other friends. And God damn it, last episode, she found a way out. Not without help from her friends, but she found a way out. And what she's trying to decide now is um, how is she going to do, what is she going to do with it? So in the last episode, when she found her way out, um, she was creeping and crawling around the house, trying not to make too much noise. And uh, she found the cabinet where the keys were at, but unbeknownst to her, that cabinet at the time didn't have what she was looking for, the keys to get out. She checks both doors. She checks the windows, Sarah, I mean, and finds out that everything is, you have to have a key to exit. Um, So when she goes into the rooms, creeping and crawling in the room, she sees a a pair of eyes. And luckily for her, it was only a cat. But unluckily for her, uh, that cat is a very loud cat and is trying to um, find her or trying to see who she is. So it's meowing and stuff and uh, it gets her in a little bit of trouble and Gore actually wakes up. Spooky shit, right? Her captor wakes up and she's in the living room with him and he doesn't know because she's hiding on um, on, uh, on the opposite side of the couch. Um, uh, she finds out that he has a chain, uh, a rep, uh, uh, he has a key hooked onto a chain that's around his neck. And that's the, the key that opens up the cabinet that she was just looking in. That is obviously some type of magic door cabinet because behind all that stuff that she saw, cleaning supplies and what have you in a kitchen cabinet is the actual cabinet that has the keys to, un, un you know, unhooking all the girls. Again, unfortunately, instead of getting the girls out herself, she's only she only has a couple of seconds to get keys and get herself out of the house. Um, Gore went to go use the restroom and in her only luck in being down there for the most part, he goes to go use the bathroom while he has the cabinet open. And um, that's when she just bolts for it, grabs a set of keys uh, that says front and back door. And she goes out the front door. And now, as we continue into this, she is uh, on her way running (laughs) through the forest. So um, we're going to continue on with this. As you know, as of now, we're on March 4th, 2.40 in the morning of 2022. All the episodes that's ever been on this podcast, Dialogue Heavy, is written and recited by Michael Anthony McMillan. Yours truly. So we're going to continue this on. We're going to go chapters 28 through 30, I believe back to three chapters but one of them are long enough so we should be okay so here we go we're going to continue with sarah and see what she's going to do this time see what kind of trouble she can get to or try to get out of this time all right here we go chapter 28 god bless the girls let's do it i didn't know where i was at where i was going or how the hell i was going to get there i was lost to say the least and my legs were redlining but i couldn't stop I had to put as much distance between me and them as I could. 
I couldn't see a thing and I would trip over brush and logs every couple of steps. All I can hear was my footsteps crackling over dead vegetation just short of my heart giving out on me. So I stopped and I took a breath, putting my hands on my head rather than bending over and blocking my airway like an amateur would have. Anyways, all that hard work running, all that hard running on my part would be almost for nothing because about three breaths into my reprieve, I can see a faint light reflecting off of the light to uh, reflecting off of the trees in the sky in front of me. And to my utter despair, when I turned around, I saw a light bouncing in between leaves in the, in the distance. Jesus, I thought I'm the best female runner in the great state of Texas, 18 and under. How the hell did he catch up to me so quick? The genetic discrepancy in strength between males and females is so unfair, I thought. That or you just wanted me that bad. Sarah, please! I heard your gore yell. And again, it scared the living shit out of me. I was scared, of course, because he was he was that close to me. After I'd ran so hard and for so long. But weirder than that was that it sounded like he was looking for me. Not commanding me to come back. But I had a decision to make. My lungs and legs were on fire and I didn't know if I would if I should try to put more distance between myself and Gore or try to hide in hopes of him sorry guys, let me say that again. I didn't know if I should try to put more distance between myself and Gore or hide and hope he passes me because if he caught up to me while I was exhausted, I didn't have the energy to fight and I'd be screwed. Fuck it, I thought. My best method of escape, even more than jujitsu, was running. I had a better chance in a foot race than in a fight with a man who threw around other men competitively. The only light I had besides the one behind me was the light of the moon trying to peek its way through the trees as I ran. Up ahead, I saw a break in the trees and I felt a surge of energy boost me to it. When I arrived at the gravel, I looked to my left, and I looked to my right and saw nothing but train tracks as far as the eyes could see. Sarah! I heard the, the voice yell again. And this time it sounded closer. I'm not going to hurt you! Fuck, fuck, fuck! I thought. Left or right, left or right. Then my miracle happened. I looked to my right again and then far, far off in the distance I saw the headlights of a vehicle cross over the train track intersection. I gave myself another long, deep breath collected myself and took off chapter 29 the biggest part of being a great runner is finding an efficient way to run it helps you twofold one is that it prevents long-lasting and chronic long-lasting chronic injuries and secondly if you have technique you can actually run extremely long distances without exhausting yourself or exerting much energy with that said I threw all my years of training out the window, running like a duck when I was in the woods. Because even in a dark forest with debris, it should have been damn near impossible for the hulking gore to catch up to me as fast as he did. I know I was scared, but that was embarrassing. The train tracks weren't necessarily a flat surface, but it was better. I galloped all about 20 paces when gore reached them. His light shined bright and when he could actually see me. He pleaded out to me again. Sarah, don't go. Fuck you. I said while I continued my stride, but this time 
It was with precision and ease. <clears throat> Every 50 paces or so, I would turn around and see what his, that and see that his light was further and further back. And that gave me even more energy to move faster and faster. I reached a train track crossing just as there seemed to be a bit of light breaking, th- breaking through the dawn. There was pavement for miles and miles each way, but no houses or businesses to go to. No places to scare the living daylights out of residents being awakened by me beating on their doors first thing in the morning either. I looked like hell, a dirty little half-naked girl with bloody bare feet and a butcher knife in her hand. They would probably call the cops, which is actually exactly what I wanted. Chapter 30 To this day, I will never understand or forgive myself for choosing to turn right at the train tracks and run. But it happened. Contrary to popular belief, running barefooted on flat surfaces is actually better for your feet and posture than even the most sophisticated running shoe. Our ancestors ran down big, strong animals via persistence hunting with nothing more than flat sandals or naked feet. So it turns out that the direction in which I ran out the house was east. Then north on the track, And the way I was running when I approached the pavement was west. Which meant, unbeknownst to me, I had ran in a square heading right back in the direction of the house. Stupid me. But in my hysteria, mixed with exhaustion and fatigue, and not to mention hunger, when I saw the truck coming my way, I yelled and flowed my arms with the last bit of energy I thought I had. Fire! I yelled, fire, fire! And I know that sounds stupid, right? But if you ask anybody who is a professional in human self-defense, they'll tell you. People are more inclined to coming out of their homes, looking down a dark alley, or in this case, slow down their vehicle to approach a dirty, bloody, half-naked woman yelling fire than help. It's weird, but it's true. The dirty pickup truck slowed to a stop right in front of me. Thank you, I told the man and woman as I hyperventilated. I've been drugged and kidnapped and they're raping girls. I need help. The man seemed awkwardly calm. He was thin in the face with bulging eyes, bald with no facial hair, which is not weird, but different in Texas. The lady though was very pretty, long jet black hair with the white strands mixed in, fair skinned with a wide nose and big lips and a gargantuan chest. Really? The man said, well, jump in and we'll take you to the cops. My spidey sense came creeping back through and shot from my feet to my back, to the back of my neck. But I thought it was because as I rested my hand on the driver's side door and breathed a sigh of relief, I looked to the left and saw Gore in the distance running towards me. Sarah, no, he yelled. That's him, I screamed. That's the guy. Okay, get in. The man said calmly. He gripped my hand a little too hard, though. Gore screamed again. No, Sarah, run! What? I thought. I was so confused. Was this a trap to get me to keep running where he could eventually catch me? Or was I receiving help from a person who drugged, kidnapped, and probably very soon was going to rape me? Still in my virginity. I don't know, but somehow, some way, my subconscious screamed out to me. But by the time it did... It was too late. No, I yelled and tried to pull my hand away 
from the guy who I now know as Lanky. How I knew, now, now knew, was Lanky. He had my hand pinned down with one hand and was grasping a syringe with a clear solution in, with, in it with the other. Hurry, Jerry! The big-breasted bitch yelled. I was pulling with all my might, dropping my weight to the floor, flailing, kicking, flailing and kicking at the truck door, but I couldn't get this asshole off me. I'm trying, Jerry said. Gore was about 100 yards away, sprinting, laboring in breath. Ugh, the lady said. You guys are so fucking useless. Between them sitting on top of the dashboard was a silver was the same silver box the lady used to put Susie to sleep before they took her upstairs. The lady grabbed it, pulled out the cylinder can. She pointed it directly at me, sprayed, but right then, I ducked. Jerry got a good inhalation of it, though, and immediately he was coughing hard, but not before he plunged me with his syringe. Jerry's grip on me started to weaken, and I was free, so or so I thought when I finally managed to pull away from him. I ran into the foliage past the passenger side. The lady in the passenger seat didn't even chase me. In fact, she stared at me blankly, and I knew then I was staring at the eyes of pure evil. It was between a smile and an intent to kill, and I knew I had to get as far away from her as possible. As I ran, I could hear the truck door open and close, and through my mind, I wondered what was happening. I couldn't make out I couldn't make out much, but I did hear lots of yelling between Gore and the lady before I was out of range. The sun was was the sun was showing face now, and I could at least see the trees and brush I needed to gallop over to distance myself from the Manson family. Whatever cocktail that was in that syringe was starting to take an effect on me when I heard a loud shotgun blast. That woke me back up and I ran even harder, but my legs were getting heavy. I rested on a tree for a while and caught my breath. And then I looked up at the sky and instead of seeing seeing the beauty of a bright of a bright of a bright blue sky with a yellow hue from the sun, I saw an almost highlighter yellow color. Then it slowly turned green, then purple. Shit, I thought. It's in there, all right. I knew I couldn't run much longer, so I figured I should just find a hiding spot. I scurried around in circles through leaves and sticks while my mind was playing tricks on me. I got a really bad case of cottonmouth, and I started to see shadows every time I turned my head. I heard footsteps, and finally, when I made it to the pond, that was. I, finally, when I made it to the pond. That was the color of a rainbow my legs gave out. I crawled to it with the very last bit of energy I had and I suckled water from the edge. The water, while not tasting the best, was the most satisfying thing I had ever had in my body. Since the electrolytes, my since the electrolyte drink my coach gave me after the race, that was who knew how long ago. As I lay on my back at the edge of the pond, Staring up at the sky, I saw elephants flying in the same V-shape birds do when they migrate. The crushing leaves sound in the distance was just steps away, and I tried to get up, but my body felt like it was a thousand pounds. And that's when it happened. Right before my eyes closed for the last time, I finally saw who Sandman was. Gore in the flesh. Wait, no. 
That wasn't Gore at all. Wait, why? Why is Mark in the forest? And boom! Boom, 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 boom. How you like that, guys? Another couple chapters for you. This is actually a pretty decently short episode. But um, some more chapters for you from um, God Bless the Girls. We see that Sarah's made it through the forest, or at least she thought. Ran in the wrong direction, as you're, you know, you tend to do when you're under that type of stress and strain. And ran right in back into her captor's arms. Um, luckily for her, she was able to get away. But was she able to get away? You know, she got out of there and um, got out, uh, out of the way of the truck. But um, she got hit with the syringe before she left. You know, she's out there flipping out in the forest. And um, Mark, her best friend that we haven't talked about in chapters, is the one that she sees before her eyes shut. Now, you got to think to yourself. Like, well, of course, the point of me writing this is to keep you intrigued. But... um, what happened in that time of her running through the forest and how long was she out there before Mark came and saved her near the pond? Or is it even Mark? Because, you know, Gore was out there too. And that was kind of the last person that we saw that even had the, the, you know, wherewithal to catch up to her. So it's interesting. Let's see what's going to happen next. I know, but you guys don't know yet. I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Um, Yeah. So that's it for this week, man. Another episode of Dialogue Heavy with yours truly, Michael Anthony McMillan. Again, thank you again for listening. Thank you again for um, being a fan and being a part of this and, you know, writing me and sending me questions and, and stuff like that. And you know how you can get a hold of me at Michael DeGrio on Instagram and then at MZZACK199 at gmail.com via email. So if you want to holla at me, holla at me. And uh, we're going to try to stay consistent with this. I wanted, I wanted to ask you guys a question since I get so many questions from you. I was thinking about doing something after this book is done. And I would give you guys a break after the book is done because you guys probably need a break from me from every week. But I was trying to like force myself as a writer was to like create a story every day. Every day, write a story and podcast it. Every day. And... Yes, I don't know if I can do it every day for years or something like that. I'm not afraid of, I'm not like, don't think that I don't have the ability to come up with a new story every day. I come up with stories all the time. There's very few that actually make it to the podcast. Um, but, um, but there's a difference between thinking of something and then actually going through it, fleshing out the story, writing the story, and actually being okay with it as a representation of your work. So, um, yeah, but I was thinking about afterwards, maybe writing a story every day for 30 days and podcasting for 30 days straight, at least one story. And it doesn't have to be a super long story or anything like that. It couldn't be to write it every day because I would have to switch the story every day. But yeah, not just one new story, write 30 stories in 30 days and record it on the podcast. That would be extremely hard schedule wise. I'm thinking about doing that. Anyway, I took enough of you guys' time. If you guys think that's a good idea or something like that, let me know. And um, shout out to everybody who has written questions and, and 
you know, champion me on as usual. So thank you. I love you. I appreciate you, man. You guys have a good one. It's another episode of Dialogue Heavy, and we'll holler at you next week. All right. See you later. Peace. I'm out of here.